Come on, let's give Jesus a good hand praise, everybody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. I certainly want to take out this time and greet you from the U.S. and Abundant Life Church International. And my wife, Tamisha, sends her blessings. Amen. Praise God. Thank you once again for having me. And I would like to give honor to Apostle Alfred Williams and Mama Oma. Amen. Hallelujah. We are honored once again to be with you for the 2015 PBM. Amen. And we believe that the Lord has certainly put things in my heart to speak to your heart. Amen. While we're standing, let us pray, please. Father, we thank you for this time now that we gather around the word of God. According to Romans 10 and 17, so then faith come by hearing and hearing by the word. We believe this evening that revelation knowledge will flow freely in this place, unhindered, unchecked by any demonic force of power. You always confirm your word, Lord, with signs following. It is our sincere desire this evening to know you more perfectly that we may serve you more faithfully. And the believer shall say, Amen. The Lord bless you. Please give Jesus a good hand praise. Everybody. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. We honor all the ministry gifts and leaders here this evening. Thank you for once again for having us to be a part of this great conference. Amen. Praise God. All right. Praise you, Jesus. Uh, this evening, I will be dealing with uh, several uh, topics relating to uh, the outline that Apostle have given us to address. And uh, this evening, I sense the direction of the Lord to talk to you about conflict resolution. Conflict resolution. Amen. Praise the Lord. How we handle conflict God's way. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I pray that you are praying for us in the U.S., for we certainly lead your prayers as never before. As you can see, our nation has certainly made a lot of turns and in the natural scheme of things for the worse. Amen. But we believe with all our heart that God is in control of history. Amen. And that he predetermined all things after the counsel of his own will. And so... Uh, it was ironic to me as I was sharing with Apostle how that when he came to the U.S. and he prophesied to our church over my life, and I wasn't even present at that particular service, and he prophesied to the U.S. And I was sharing with him how, you know, Awesome it is to see to the detail things he said is happening just like he said it. You know what the Bible says? How do you know if the prophet is among you? For what he speak come to pass. Amen. And we thank God for the accuracy and the 
and uh, and the, the the king insight God have given to the servant of the Lord to help us in these days. And uh, one of the things he brought out how that there will be trouble in America, trouble like America hadn't seen. But God said, but he would intervene and help America. So we know in spite of high look, God's hand is on our nation. And whatever the devil means for evil, God will turn it for our for good. And he will ultimately get the glory even in the U.S. Amen. Praise God. So we want you to pray for our nation. We need prayer from our government to the streets of America. It's all kind of challenges going on. Some of these challenges, some of you have uh, experienced these already. It's just a new thing for us on the level that we see in it now. But when you start uh, giving constitution to some of the, the, the laws that have been passed over our country, then, you know, you sow to the wind and you reap the whirlwind. Amen. Praise God. But we believe... You know, uh, America was founded on Christianity and the Bible. People saying, well, America is a Christian country. No, America is not a Christian country. America have Christians in it. But it is not a Christian country no more. We are so far removed from the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. But pray for us. Amen. Pray for us that God has used our nation to bless the world. It is time now that we read back the prayers and the blessings from the world. Amen. Come on, let's thank God that he got his hands on the USA. Amen. All right. How to handle conflict. God's way. In Matthew 5, we bring your attention to verse 23 and 24 of that particular book. And it says... And I know that there are so many other dimensions to conflict resolution, but I sense this is the direction that the Lord wants us to speak in tonight relating to us as leaders and ministers. Is that right? Verse 23 of that book. It says, Therefore, if you offer your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gifts. And according to that scripture there, the Lord Jesus is showing us that there are some gifts that's not even accepted by God until we get things together on this relationship with our fellow brother and sister. Amen. Now, let's give some working definitions for our, uh, this word conflict. Conflict speaks of, and this is just from the dictionary, it says collision or disagreement or opposition, fight, battle, struggle, or even war. I'll say it again. Conflict speaks of collision, disagreement. Opposition, fight, or battle, or struggle, or war. Now, so we're talking about handling conflict God's way. 
and that is you must have, just like there's a conflict, there's resolution. Resolution means finding the answer. Everybody say that with me. Finding the answer. Uh-huh. That's what God wants us to do, find the answer to problems his way. Amen. All right. Proverbs 15 and 18, give you a couple more scriptures, and then we'll move right into our lesson. Proverbs 15 and 18, listen to what it says here. Proverbs 15, verse 18. It said, a hot-tempered man stir up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. I'm reading from the NIV, by the way. Amen. I'm reading from the uh, New International Version. Listen to what it says again. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calls a quarrel. I think the King James says Stir, uh, hatred stirs up strife. Is that right? Is that what it says? Hatred stirs up strife? Huh? Also, hate can cause conflict. Hatred in the heart can create conflict. Is that right? Praise God. <laughs> All right. Let's look at verse uh, Proverbs 10 since we're in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Oh, this is the scripture I wanted. Proverbs 10 and 12 says that. It says, hatred stirs up conflict. What stirs up conflict? Hatred. Hatred. Proverbs 10 and 12. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love cover all wrong, cover over all wrongs. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love cover all wrongs. All right. Now I don't know if you know it, but even even you know with the racial thing that's going on in our nation, and it, and it has hit a whole all time high even in the street. But that's, that's really hatred in the heart. That's not a skin problem. That's hate inside a man's heart. Amen. Really. And it's causing a conflict. But I want to use that last part of that definition of conflict, and that was war. War is not nothing new. War is not nothing new. War was in the garden with the first family. You can have war in your family between a husband and a wife. Amen. Conflict speaks of war, right? Uh, you can have a conflict between a husband and a wife. In America right now, uh, out of every three marriages, two in in divorce. Out of every three people to get married, two in in divorce. And the statistic says... That the two, that the two that are divorcing, uh, are in the church. So the statistic in the the world performance in marriage is better than it is in the church of the U.S. right now. And one of the problems I'm hearing, one of the things, especially, and I like to tell you that I'm talking about people that don't know God, but these are professing. Christians, I'm talking about leaders, pastors, those that are leading the way. 
they, they are breaking their marriage covenant faster than anybody in the church. And what I'm hearing is the excuse, apostle, is a word they call irreconcilable difference. I tried to find it in the Bible. I ain't seen it there yet. It simply said we are having a conflict and nobody want to find God's answer to it. So it's not a problem. (laughs) See, conflict, let me say this to you. Where where if there's more than one, you will have conflict. Can I say that again to you? They got it over there. Let me say it to this side. Wherever there's more than one, you will have conflict. And God is so particular about it, he says that, if you got conflict going on among yourselves and bring a gift at the altar to me, he said, before I will accept it, you must leave that gift at the altar. Go find your brother or your sister and, and find a resolution to the conflict between you. Or I won't accept what you put on that altar. I can tell you right now, there's a lot of gifts still on the altar. We waiting for a harvest and God ain't thinking about a harvest yet because our heart is not trying to find his answer to the problem among ourselves. Talk to me in here. Come on, get Jesus' hand praise for a moment. Come on, let's just thank him for a moment. Because we ain't going to be a victim to conflict. We're going to find the resolution. So the Bible here says, hatred stirs up strife. There got to be, it's got to be a pride thing that don't nobody want to be wrong. Or don't want to go out the way for the, even at the extent to save a marriage to find a solution. You have conflict as a parent with your children now. When you're training them up in the way that they should go, conflict can break out. Talk to me. Pastors, we can have conflict with those that we are leading into the saving grace of Jesus, teaching them the way of kingdom life, and yet conflict will break out among us. Amen. And, And it can create such problems if we don't find God's answer to it. James helps us better, I think, in the book of James chapter 4. Matter of fact, James said one of the problems people don't get their prayers answered is because there's a motive there that's not in harmony with what God want to do. He says all selfish and self-centered. Amen. And it makes it difficult to get an answer prayer when you only got you on your mind. And not, not nobody else. God said you want it for all the wrong reasons. Talk to me. Talk to me now. So in James 4, let's look at verse 1. Because in James chapter 4, we're going to use war. Everybody say war three times. War. 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 Listen to me. This is something that, the, that, that I have, I believe. You cannot, you cannot make peace with a man or woman who has war in their heart. 
Amen. You, can't, you cannot find a resolution with a person who's bent on having their own way in everything. Are you following me? So James revealed, James revealed three areas where we are at war at. Number one, we're at war within ourselves. <laughs> this would make it a lot of time. This would make it very difficult to find a conflict resolution with some people because you're trying to have peace with somebody that got war inside of them. Amen. It's on the inside. Right? Then we're at war with each other. Now, I know you ain't going to believe this last one, but it's right here in the Bible. Then there are those who are at war with God. (laughs) That's right. Let's look at it. When Jesus spoke that in Matthew 5, he said, go reconcile with your brother. Leave the gift at the altar. Go reconcile with your brother. What is reconciliation here? What, is he, what was he saying when he said reconcile here or reconciliation? It means restoring to harmony. Restoring to harmony. Meaning sometimes, you know, you have to disagree without being disagreeable. Can you do that? Disagree without being uh, disagreeable. How many believe God love all people? You know, they just passed that, that constitutional bill that same-sex marriage is acceptable in our nation now. So man can accept something. That don't mean God have approved it. Huh? People want both acceptance and approval. Accept me the way I am, but also approve of what I'm doing. God will accept you the way you are, but that don't mean he's going to approve what you're doing. Give me some help now. Huh? So then I see if God is like that, then it's not wrong for me as a minister to be like him. He told me to act like him and to follow him. So that means I can accept people and don't approve what they're doing. Huh? And I'm right in harmony with the word of God. If I got to be in conflict with somebody, I'd rather be in conflict with you than in conflict with God. Give me some help here. Can I give you four facts about conflict before we get into this uh, James chapter 4? Because he's going to bring us some good stuff out here, I believe. And let's give, let's give God praise because we're expecting something good going to come to us. And I know Apostle going to keep adding on to this. Four facts about conflict. Number one, you cannot avoid it. I don't like conflict, though. I don't. You cannot avoid it. That means you can't get around conflict. 
you're going to have collision with people. You're going to have disagreement with people. You're going to be, a, be in opposition with people. You will get in fights with people. You will be in battles with people. You will find yourself struggling with people. And you will even have war in some cases. Amen. But reconciliation means mean restoring to harmony. That's our job. Paul told us endeavoring to keep the bond of unity. It means unity don't just happen because you want it. Somebody got to take initiative and action to bring about harmony and unity. It won't just happen. Lord, give us unity. Lord, give us unity. He can't if don't nobody take steps to bring unity, to restore harmony. Are you listening to me? All right. So the next fact we want to know about conflict is this. That conflict requires action toward peace. Romans 14 and 19, we're told, if at all possible, be at peace with all men. Meaning, if at all possible, that means then there are some people who have so much hatred in their heart, so much evil in their heart, listen to me, so much rebellion that you can't reconcile with them, meaning you can't find ground for harmony. They won't give up none. So that's where pride is at. Huh? And God resists the proud, don't he? Glory to God. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. And he said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that I may exalt you in due season. So some conflict is that people can't wait on God's timing to put them where they want to be at. So they go through all kind of struggles and wars trying to do it themselves. Give me some help here. All right. Here's the next one. Some difference may never be resolved. Some what? Difference. Now, how do you know if husbands and wives could get a hold of that? And by the way, let me just tell y'all this. You know, I, I'm not here trying to impress anybody. Mama Oma and, and Apostle kept me and my wife up in the hotel room, and they talked with us because we were having some conflict, major conflict. But they gave us steps to do. They told us things to do. Talk to me now. And I want to tell you, me and my wife, we took their wisdom and we walked it out. And she just looked at me yesterday across the table and she said, I didn't know marriage can be this good. Come on, help me somebody. <laughs> Come on, give God some praise in here. Because what we did, we found harmony based upon wisdom and instructions that was given to us. Are you listening to me? She just wanted more of my time. <laughs> Are you, I mean, you know, the pastor could get caught up in his calling now. And, and, and she just wanted more of my time. And I just wanted her to understand more about my heart as a man. Come on, talk to me. So God sent the right mediators at the right time. Man, that's what you call favor. That's what favor is. God put somebody before you. Come on, talk to me. At the right place at the right time. You can't tell me God didn't time that for them to be there in our city. At that place. 
And my wife said, yes, I'll come and, and, and we'll sit and talk. And the apostle tell you she cried. I didn't, but she did. <laughs> but what I want to tell you, we've reconciled our difference. We found the place. Are you listening to me? Listen, you know, God really, if you think about it, he really called men and husbands and wives to a, a really challenging thing. First of all, two people from different backgrounds, huh? different desires. You know, women are more emotional. Men are more factual, right? Talk to me. Huh? Is that the truth here in the U.K.? The, and the sister said, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, and he, different personalities. My personality ain't nothing like my wife. I mean nothing like it. Huh? And yet God say the two of you become one. Give me some help here tonight, somebody. Different background. I came from a completely different culture and background lifestyle than she did. And yet God said, those two people got to become one. No wonder Paul said, I speak concerning the, the, the church in Christ. He said, this is a mystery. You can't get this with your head. Then he only put a limited amount of scriptures in the Bible to tell you how to do it. It ain't a whole lot of scriptures in the Bible tell you about marriage. Because God intends for if you're going to make it work, you got to dig in those scriptures to light and understanding come up out of them. Or you always be in a fight with your spouse. You always be in conflict with your spouse. And God say, reconciliation is my way. Not irreconcilable difference. That ain't even in the Bible. And that's one of the most popular words in our courts now when a marriage is being dissolved. Irreconcilable difference. We couldn't see eye to eye to bring harmony among ourselves. Even at the expense of a house full of children. Even not even for the children's sake. So it's pride that's in men's heart. And Many times we taking it personal, but a many times, like with in the case of my wife, now she'll tell you what my flaws were, but I can talk about her. She ain't here. She was at war within herself. The war wasn't with me. She was at war within herself, Apostle. Amen. You appreciate me telling you the truth in here? That's what I'm going to do. Amen. Let's look at it now. War has been, war has been here. The first family. People you work with. People you live with. People you're married to. Children you raise. People we worship with. Huh? Personal wars, civil wars, family wars. How do we deal with this conflict? Every war carries a price. Who agree with that? 
every war carries a price. That there, if we, when you say war, you know there will be casualties. Talk to me. In James 4, verse 1, you have it? We're going to read into verse 7 of James chapter 4. James helps us out here. Listen what he says. He said, what caused fights and quarrels among you? What, and it was, what's the question he asked? What caused conflict? He said, they, they, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? That do what? Battle within you. You kill. You want something, but don't get it. Come on, I don't understand that. Give me some help. You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. You acting out of self-centeredness, selfishness. Talk to me. Yeah, listen, and I think the Lord want me to talk to you about this here because there are too many prayers unanswered that He want to answer in our lives. And all the t- and many times all it takes is just a mid-course correction. What kind of correction? Just mid-course. Sometimes just you're just a little way off, and all you got to do is make some little correction. Some little things bring big results with God. Give me some help. And sometimes that, uh, that, that uh, mid-course correction is at first examining our own motives and heart. Make you a better minister, for sure. No, no, no question about that. All right? Listen. So he says here, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world become an enemy of God? How do you think the Scriptures say without reason that the Spirit He calls to live in us envy intensely, but He give us more grace? Come on, somebody say more grace. Come on one more time. More grace. That's grace is empowerment. Amen. God's grace, that's his ability coming and helping us to do what we can't do within ourselves. Talk to me, somebody. God can give you what it takes to take us to the next level. And I believe he's doing it right here. I say, and I believe he's doing it right here. Amen. Praise God. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Did I say God opposed the proud? Huh? That's why the scriptures say God opposed the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What does he say next? Submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Notice what he called the sinners. He said, told the sinners to cleanse their hands, but he told the believers to cleanse their minds. Grieve and moan and wail. Change your laughter to moaning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. There's lifting in here tonight. I say there's lifting in here tonight. I say there's lifting in here tonight. 
when I was studying this, the Holy Spirit made that amplify in my heart. He's lifting. Brother, do not slander one another. Anyone who speak against his brother or judge him speaks against the law and judge it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you who judges your neighbor? And the believer shall say. Three areas of conflict we see here. Number one, we are at war within ourselves. Huh? We are at war within ourselves. New King James say, it's in the heart that causes war in the home. It's in the heart that causes war in the church. You can't be at peace with a man or woman who has war on the inside of them. With a person who has war in in their heart, what is the root problem of that then? War in the heart is sin. Selfishness. How many know selfishness is sin? Isn't it? It's sin and selfishness based on lust, greed. Amen. First Peter two and eleven and verse twelve tells us about that there are certain lusts that you open up to that'll cause a war to break out in your soul. Amen. First Peter, are you listening to me now? How many of you know this is the empowerment zone for us? We we want it for real, don't we? All right. You got it? First Peter. Two verse eleven and twelve. What it says. Who can read it out loud to me? Stop right there, my brother. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, the unchurched. Huh? The unchurched, right? Having your conduct, that means your lifestyle, honorable. Right? Go ahead on, brother. First Peter two and eleven and verse eleven and twelve. And the day of visitation. Praise God. So what I wanted you to see in that, that there are things that you can that that wars inside of a person and the only reason the base foot was lust. How many know what lust is? Strong desire for something. Right? Strong desire for something. It opened up a wall on the inside of your soul, which is made of the, the mind, the will, the emotion, the imagination, and the intellect. That right? Comprises to make up a man's soul. The, the mind, the will, the imagination, and the intellect. All right? How then do we overcome it? How do we overcome it? That's what I want to know. Because we're talking about reconciliation, that is, coming into harmony. 
How do we overcome it? Verse 7 tells you how to submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God is how you overcome it. Huh? Draw, verse 8 says, draw near to God. Submit to God, draw near to God. How many know how close do you want to be? How close you want to be to God? Close as you want to get. God say, how close you want to be to me? You draw nigh to me, I'll get closer to you. You want to get closer, I'll get closer. Talk to me, somebody. And listen to me. There's a place where you get close to God. Lust, greed, and pride loses its power over your heart, mind, will, and emotions. The answer is in God. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So we're at war. Where else? We're at war with each other. We're told by the scripture in, in uh, uh, James 4 and 11, he said, don't you slander your brother. On the contrary, what we do, we speak peace over our brothers. We speak blessings over our brothers. We're told not to slander our brother. To slander them, the Bible said we're standing in judgment. Who are we that we judge a brother? That's what the words say. Come on now. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did you get that? All right. So we say, then, of course, in uh, James 5 and 9, same thing is, is repeated, but in a different way. Right? James 5 and 9, it say, don't grumble against each other, brother, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Right? So then we're told, number one, number one, we see we're at war within ourselves. And what produced the war inside of us? Lust, greed, and selfishness. Amen. I mean, you know, the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross have already paid in full for our total victory over greed, lust, and so forth. Amen. It has paid for it. And we are who God say we are. All right. Next, then, we're at war with God. We're at war with who? Now, that's, that's a strong one, ain't it? At war with who? How do you get at war with God? What starts a war with God? I know I've been through a few things. I don't mind sharing with you. I can tell you one thing that started a war with God. Prayers that wasn't answered. Huh? You start having a war with God because the prayers wasn't answered. Somebody gets sick. Somebody die. You done pray for others to get healed. They got healed, but somebody in your a loved one of yours gets sick and they don't get healed. The root cause of every war is sin and lawlessness and rebellion against God. The spirit of lawlessness. How do a believer be at war against God? By being a friend with God's enemy. By being a friend with God's enemy. Did you hear me? Who is God's enemy? James told you. He said the world. The world is against the Father, right? 
the flesh is against the spirit. The devil is against the son. Amen. They're all outlined right there. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are God's enemies. And if you befriend God's enemy, you get in a war with God. Give me some help. Talk to me, somebody. Did you get that? All right. What do you use against the saints? What do the devil use against the saints? The same thing that was used on him that made him fall. Pride. Pride is what made him fall, so he used pride to make saints fall. Now, of course, we know about deception. We talked about that in our last uh, year, right? But pride. What did the Bible say? What, what, go, what go before destruction? Pride go before destruction. What else? A halted spirit before you fall. I'm, how many of you know? Let me say this to you. Especially when we we have studied this and observed this. Whenever you see a great leader, especially in the body of Christ, come down, the forerunner, before that happened to him, it may may look like everything was okay. Nothing that you could pick up by the eye. But first, bitterness got inside of him. That's how the devil get him. Every time. The Bible said, a root of bitterness defiled many. You have to be defiled first by bitterness. Amen. Glory to God. Did you get blessed in my session tonight? Let's give Jesus a good hand praise. Everybody. Come on now. I say give Jesus a good hand praise. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I guess I'll talk about the rest of this in my morning session because uh, we want to look at what a healthy heart looks like because pride is in the heart. What a healthy heart looks like and what an unhealthy heart looks like. Huh? There are indicators in people's lives when their heart or their spirit is no longer healthy. There are indicators in men's and women's hearts when their spirit is healthy. You can see both. You can see when a person got a healthy spirit, and you can see when a person got an unhealthy spirit. It's something about when a person got a healthy spirit, it gravitates to you, don't it? It pulls you to them, don't it? But, but when you see an unhealthy spirit, it repels you. You don't want to be around that but a minute. Amen. Well, they're, they're, they're real. Praise God. Amen. Apostle. Amen. Bless you, sir. <laughs> Bless what I have to get up for the Lord. I believe the Lord spoke to me. 
I want us to look in light of what there are some striking things that God spoke through um, Dot. The first thing that struck me when he began to speak is that there are many offerings that have been given by God's people. They could not get harvest because God refused to accept the offering. He still had the altar. You missed that? Tell your members, not all offerings are accepted. The church of God, one of the things I was telling Doc about four weeks ago, I haven't had a conversation with the Lord. I felt I should investigate Jesus. And I began to investigate Jesus. And I was telling him, I began to discover some things about Jesus, which we are not. Because my greatest problem in our generation and concern with God is, why should we be alive? ISIS started by man. He filled the whole beginning. We have been there before ISIS. Nobody knows about it. Because we are not doing anything strange. Boko Haram of Nigeria, local, stark, illiterate, uneducated. And in a short time, the whole world is talking about them to the place where the world nations are holding conference. Do you know why? Because they are becoming more like their master, the devil. They have been killing secretly now. They are slaughtering publicly. When the church of God shall become like the master Jesus, the streets of our nation will go into turmoil. And something will change. The news will change. So I was investigating the Lord Jesus because I wanted to know the differences between us and him, which is the major reason why we have not been able to operate like him. I found out something. But tonight he said, he put an altar, in the altar are many offerings waiting for the conscience of the giver to conform with the instruction of heaven. And because of lack of conformity, God looks at the altar, he did not receive it. And if God did not receive an altar, no matter how many millions you put there, you will not get one harvest. We need to go tell our church. God is not interested in how much you give or how much you do not give. He's interested in your heart, first of all, conforming with him, and then you bring an offering. A holy God cannot take offering from unholy person. And I think, one of the things I got from him very clearly, God was speaking. Why we may not be able to deal with the differences, but we can still agree and resolve ourselves. We may not approve of conduct of people, but we cannot be at war with them and be justified. Because we do not approve of their conduct, does not mean we cannot live at peace with them. I told your brethren in, in, in New Cross, the church of God is meant for those who are going to heaven, those who are still investigating heaven and those who would not go to heaven, they want to go to hell. Witches and wizards must come to church. Prostitutes and all the manner satanists must come to church. Some come to test power, some come to change. So in the church, you have the sheep, you have the goats, you have the lions, you have the vipers. But you must accept everybody. If any one of you is at war with people, change your mind. 
A second thing that he spoke very strikingly to me, he said that God said to, uh, James said to the ungodly in that chapter 4, that is where it is. You know, he said to the ungodly, let me read it again. Um, I think it's chapter 4 of James. He said to, in one of these uh, references, he said to the ungodly to change to, 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 the, to, the, to the sinner. He said they should change their hearts, but then he told the believer to change their minds. So the heart needs to be born again for the sinner, but the mind needs to be renewed for the believer. You cannot go back to your space with the same mind you came here. The mind of Christ must come into full operation in us. There are some scriptures spoken here that we may think does not apply to us. Like the verse 4 of James 4, which says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Some of you need to cut off some people in the church, but they have gone into the world. Ministers' association that you know are ungodly, don't go near them again. I told them in Lagos last Thursday, because God showed me the judgment is about to happen. And he told me that if anybody is found in the company of all those people, who you know in their attitude and conduct, God is far from them. But you are loyal because you felt that if you are not loyal, you'll be, you'll, be, you'll be looked upon as some scapegoats. You have to choose whether to be loyal to God or to be loyal to man. Because when God will judge them, if you are in their camp, you will also receive punishment. So God spoke to us very clearly here too. He calls us to be humble. He opposes the proud. But he says, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We all have the capacity to say no to Satan. In anything that the devil will throw at us. Then he said, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. We teach these things, but we need to be reminded. Then he says, but do not slander one another. You can't call someone your brother and you slander him. I was telling Doc when we were there, one of the things I found out with Jesus when I investigated him is that Jesus never spoke. He never replied people when they accused him. He never replied people when they call him names. But when you call, when you speak against the mandate of heaven, he speaks. You know, Pilate said to him that, what do you have to say against all these accusations of people? He never replied. He didn't try to justify himself as to try to, to disprove what they are saying. Because I told you some time ago that the Lord told me, when people believe in lie about you, there is nothing you can say that can change their opinion. So you better be quiet. Because the lie they have lied about you has nothing to do with where you are going or destiny. But the name they call you cannot make you. Somebody has said that before, because there is power of life and death in the tongue. You misunderstand the scripture. The life and death of the tongue is to the owner of that tongue, not to other people. So people call you wrong things, bad names. It doesn't make you. If you confess against yourself, then that's a problem. 
The same thing, if you curse a child of God, for whatever reason, you will come under the judgment of God. Because you contravene the law of God. Whether they stab you at the back, they stab you at the neck, and you curse them, God will curse you. Because God said, whoever curses you, I will curse. So you come under the judgment of God. No matter how bitter you think you are, how painful it is, once you open your mouth to curse them, you come under curse straight away by God himself. And your curse against them will gather no water. Because God will never say amen to the curse of Balaam when it turns to Israel because God loves Israel. So you understand therefore that no matter how much we provoke you, if you speak a curse out of your mouth, then you are the one that comes into the fire line of God. Really God will not even answer what you are saying. To God, it is an abomination. We need to recognize this. Our tongue... We must be very, very much careful. Conflict within you too. And I think there's something clearing to uh, God's word to, to um, um, uh, Doc. Some of you need to reconcile with your wife. You see the journey of marriage? You put your head there. You die there. If your wife is a witch, thank God you are the husband of a witch. Because I've heard of a big man of God who just divorced the wife and told the church that the wife is a Holy Ghost said the wife is a witch. And it was accepted and he divorced the wife recently in Nigeria. Big, big name. Big name. The matter went to the biggest, bigger and the biggest names. Unfortunately, they also agree with him before the wife. And the wife was saying that, but daddy, you should know, at least you hear God and you see God. Many daddy are blind. Now, they are Saul, um, Eli. They are Eli. God is raising Samuel. That's the reason why a, a, a man of God such an entire such place, a junior one will come and say, the, the wife will say, but my husband said, Holy Ghost said, I'm a, I'm a witch. I expect a man of God who sees to know there. If he hears, he should hear there. And if he hears that it's a witch, he should remove it right there. And make sure that he takes that wife and say to the husband, Yes, your wife is a witch, but you wait for me. Take the woman inside, rebuke it, cast the witch out, clean her up, and bring the woman back to the husband and say, This is your wife. That is what a man of God will do. Anything contrary is not a man of God. Because Jesus said, Come unto me, O ye that what? Labor. Including witches and wizards. So we need to be very, very careful. You go into the marriage bond, God knows that you are different. And he calls you one. And he said, Paul said, this is a, a mystery. To me also, it is a, a mystery. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. I received my mystery 42 years ago. It's still a mystery. Amen. Forevermore. Hallelujah. But if you look at something that Doc gave in his testimony with his wife, he said both of them have to submit to counsel. That is what kept me together with my wife till today. Submitting to counsel. If God calls us one, we are one. You cannot be a mistake at all. Because your, the, your, the opinion of your wife is different from you doesn't mean she's a mistake. Because she thinks differently why, why, why away from you. Doesn't mean it's a mistake. That is the one that God gave you. Not to go to excess. It will curb your excess. Hallelujah, somebody. I think we are hearing something. 
Because if pastor and the wife are at war, how can the blessings of God come upon the church? It will not. God wants to come in, but the window is shut. You'll be on the pulpit, you'll speak the word of God. The word of God is a two-edged sword. In application, it blesses the hearer and blesses the speaker. But if the speaker is at conflict with himself, conflict with his home, when he speaks it out, he blesses the people, but he goes back to his conflict because he cannot be blessed. His part of the sword is dull. Why people are getting blessed through him, people are getting happy through him, marriages are reconciling through him, he himself is not submitting to what he's saying. So if you are having conflict with your wife, I thought Doc would go a little bit further to tell you exactly what he sacrificed and the wife what she sacrificed and that brought this fantastic you didn't tell them also what your wife said about next year do you want to come and say she said to him you are not going to travel alone again i won't let you travel to london anymore alone <laughs> hallelujah somebody he said i'm going to go with you anywhere you go we go together we drive together and I told him, my wife and I, anywhere the snail go, the caramu follow. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Ah, man. I said to her, I said to Doc, next year, by the grace of God, we will bring him and bring his wife. Because by next year, we'll be richer. We will implement what we have today so that our offering can be accepted. Hallelujah, somebody. And our harvest can be plenty. Every one of you, are you hearing me now? <laughs> so when I say next year that uh, uh, Doc is coming with his wife, somebody will write the check of his ticket, another person will write for his wife. That's what we'll do. We're not going to collect offering. We have people rich enough, you can pay the boat bills. And then we'll be struggling who will pay it. Because we will make sure that we go back and reconcile the conflict so that our offering that have been here for years can be accepted and harvest can watch. Then the Lord will restore to you the year the locusts have. Are we together now? I love the Lord so much. I believe very much that today, what God has for us is not more than that. He's just to resolve this conflict, this aspect of conflict, which is the main thing that the Holy Spirit is speaking today. I wouldn't need to add anything to it than to remind us so that we will leave this place tonight and resolve ourselves. Some of you will need to bend your knees and repent. Conflict with your friends, conflict with members of the church because the, you know, there is a devil among them who will not leave and who you cannot remove. Unfortunately, he has been planted in your bone marrows. You have prayed several times that God should remove the tongue, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. And you will go tonight to go and say, Lord, I forgive him. I accept him. I will love him. I will accept that he's different, and I will just accept that difference and still love him. I think I'm speaking to somebody. That is what God wants us to do today. Four things about conflict. You cannot avoid it. You must take action towards this. You will, it is you who will take the step. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 14, it says, uh, uh, Try or strive to be at peace with all men and be holy. It is you who will be at peace, who will take the step to be at peace. 
It is not the other person. You that God is speaking to today, he didn't speak to that person. You are the one who will make up your mind to stop believing what you believe about the person that caused your, your problem and take the step to be at peace and be holy. I was discussing with him, the Lord had been showing me holiness has two applications to it. There is the holiness that we are received by the shed blood of the Lamb, but there is the work of holiness, the act of holiness. And there are several scriptures we we'll look at that this week. But it's not legality. Law is not God. It's not uh, it's, uh, the, 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 the Christendom is not, is not made by law. Okay, but those who are in Christendom obey the law. I say my, I repeat myself again. Obedience of law does not make salvation. But those who are saved are called to obey the law. Because if you say that you have been redeemed from the law and you are a lawbreaker, Paul said that you have not been saved at all. For law is for lawbreakers. So if you obey, if you are a Christian and you do not obey the law, you become a victim of the law, then you are becoming godless. So we must make the effort to be at peace with all men. And to be what? They stab your back. Why did you leave your back for them to stab? Take your back away from that place. And they won't see anything to stab anymore. Hallelujah, somebody. We must take the action. War with yourself. War with others. And some have world war with God. May that not be you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I thought that uh, I, um, Doc would spend an hour. I think he spent about how many? <laughs> I think tomorrow we will release again. We will go on tomorrow. Now it's 9.30 and we're bringing our ministry skills at this time. Can I say to us when we close the meeting now, we expect you to just go and rest. I think there's coffee outside or something like that. You go and have a coffee. Go rest. 6 a.m. We will pray here. Hallelujah. I didn't hear amen. No. I thought somebody said it's a prayer warrior. <laughs> amen forevermore. And then those of you who have been promising God that you will do exercise, you will go to gym. By 7 o'clock to 8, it is gym time. You can do it by your bedside. That prayer, <laughs> that prayer will be 6 to 6.30. 6.30, if you come here, you won't find us here. We are gone. And then, by the grace of God, 9 o'clock, we have another prayer to 9.30, which is the, is the third hour of prayer. I will be teaching you about this during these days. So, about 6 a.m. tomorrow, let us meet. Here. Shall we rise up together? Let us thank God for tonight. For the grace God has given to his servant and the impartation that we have received from the Lord, even tonight, shall just begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Our God, our Redeemer, we just bless your name. For this gift of God you have sent to bless us. We give you the praise and honor and glory for your mercy that we have received. We immensely thank you, Father. For the favor that you have shown. Brother OJ. Pastor Salami. We thank you Jesus. We thank you Jesus. Let us pray that the Holy Spirit will help us in the application of what we have heard. 
Life is easier. We make it difficult. Life is worthy to be enjoyed. We must live at peace within and peace around. Because Jesus' name is the Prince of Peace. And God is dealing with the things that hinder our peace. Lift up your voice and pray, Lord, enable me to apply what I've learned. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. We salute you, the King of Heaven. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you, Jehovah. We thank you, Jehovah. Blessed be your name. Jesus, we bless you, 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 we 